Hi, I'm T2, and I support Jedex Grown Up through Patreon because they're super gentle to my wires and boards. I think you should too. Go to patreon.com forward slash Jedex Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner just be French fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up podcast. I am John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And you know that Mo is here. Hey, everybody. In the late 70s, a young Austrian body Builder tried his hand at acting and soon became one of the biggest box office action superstars of the Gen X era. He went on to star in many of the most notable films and franchises of our youth. And in this episode, we will be running down our top 10 Arnold Schwarzenegger films of the 80s and 90s. That was terrible. <laughs> I can't not do Arnold impressions during the Arnold top 10. Are you kidding me? That's true. That's what true. Do you, kind of what do you expect? I beg to differ. That was not a very good Arnold impression. <laughs> I didn't say it was good. I said I had to do it. That's different. I don't oh, think it, you did one anyway. It wasn't even one. He didn't quantify it. All right. That's right. It was, it was an impression not a good one. He's the governator. Come on now. Before we get into this top 10 that, again, like many of our top 10s was full of some consternation, <laughs> I want to get into one of the favorite parts of the show, and that is some fourth listener email. There's three of us, and we expect if anybody else listens and writes in, they must be the fourth listener after us. Uh, fourth listener, this episode is Thanos, long, long time listener supporter over there on Patreon.com. Thanos wrote in with the subject line, Frozen Treats. Ah, he says, hey, guys, I really enjoy the ice cream truck backtrack. Reminded me of walking down the street in New York and buying Italian ices from the food carts. <laughs> it's one of my first memories of handling money and conducting a transaction. Oh, OK. Yeah. As a young man. Nice. I've never had cause to doubt GXG's bona fides before. However, when John tried to understand when Mo was describing Italian ice, John compared Italian ice to shaved ice. And then Mo didn't elaborate on the differences. Oh, he's calling you out, Mo. You know, sometimes you just you just got to give up and just, <laughs> just assume something's a lost causes. You know, you've, I mean, are you saying you've given up on us? Is that what no, you're saying? No, no. But when it comes to explaining things like Italian ices, I mean, come on. <laughs> Tom says, I think John is a Florida native. Since Italian ices are mostly a northeastern U.S. thing, he gets a pass. Poor George, also a Florida native. Now, you're from Kentucky, but moved to Florida in your, yeah, in your youth, right? right? Yeah. Uh, but still, never had dessert trucks in his area, so he gets a pass. But Mo, my man, you should know better. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it made me wonder if Mo really grew up in New York City. Mm. Oh, really? Ooh, he's calling out your lineage. I mean, I do notice that he doesn't explain it either here or anywhere, does he? Why are you just diverting the blame? He, he's saying that you didn't explain it to us. Oh, okay. <laughs> he goes on to say, shaved ice is also delicious. The number of flavors and additions and toppings are truly mind-blowing. However, it's a completely different concoction than a simple, smooth, flavorful Italian ice. I mean, okay, to be honest, the difference between shaved ice and Italian ice is that Italian ice the ice is a lot more granular, so that's why it's nice and smooth. Hmm. I thought okay. I remembered you saying something about that during that episode. John probably cut it out because, you know, uh, I did look bad. Oh, I, now it's my <laughs> fault. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I don't recall any descriptions of Italian ice on the cutting room floor. <laughs> uh, he says, I hope Mo can get the chance to introduce George and John to Italian ice, and I hope they enjoy it. Yes, they are awesome. I thought they were the same thing, quite honestly. I didn't realize there was oh. a difference. So, Yep, definitely different. Italian ice shaved ice snow cone i don't know me too yeah so, no, ice it. with flavor that's all i know if you're in florida just ice please ice it's right. damn hot <laughs> there's actually a, a couple places in jacksonville that have pretty good italian icy so oh John, down here now okay i'll take you to one of them so all right all right we'll have to get george over and, and yep. treat him as well yeah i love it how you guys are always like there's this thing in jacksonville and i'm like two and a half hours assholes thanks we know there's nothing <laughs> in tallahassee right. that's a foregone conclusion <laughs> we just assume that now <laughs> thanos wraps it up by saying forever faithful fourth Thanos. Love that <laughs> salutation. He says, P.S. Did John ever get that nutty buddy? <laughs> you know, I didn't get a nutty buddy uh, yet. I said I was going to run out and get one. The thing is, you can't just buy one nutty buddy easily. I want you to buy a box of eight or 12. And I don't trust myself with a box of 12 nutty buddies in the freezer. I bet you could eat eight or 12. You find like a little convenience store. You could get one. Oh, maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. Oh, oh, the little freezer case up front. I didn't mm -hmm. think of that. Oh, today's a new day. Maybe today's the day <laughs> for a nutty buddy. Thanks a for reminder, day. Thanos. <laughs> hey, thanks. 
Thank you so much, Thanos, for writing in. And of course, for your longtime dedicated support. If you would like your email featured here on the show, just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single one and most of them, just like Thanos's, ultimately make the show. All right. If you'll stick with us after the break, we'll be back. Oh, jeez. This is going to be a long episode. The top 10 Arnold films of the Gen X. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. Personating an officer, assisting arrest, fraud, book him. Okay, Sheriff. What do you want from me? I want you to get inside the Petrovita organization and tear it up. How'd you know I was looking for somebody? I didn't. So we're talking about the Gen X era films by the Austrian Oak, the governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> himself. Just like the other top 10 lists that we have done recently, our, our bookkeeper and uh, <laughs> spreadsheet expert, George, <laughs> set up a pick list for us. So do you want to explain to the listeners how we got, arrived at this list, our top 10? Yeah, well, so the first thing I did was I went on that uh, perfect knowledge base called Wikipedia that has every fact known to man, and they're all exactly correct. Yeah, no fault. And I made sure that I grabbed the <laughs> filmography for Arnold Schwarzenegger, any film from 1980 up through 1999. So nothing mm -hmm. in 79 and nothing mm -hmm. in 2000 and beyond. So that was our pool to choose from. And they end up sure. being about I don't know, 24, 25 films on the list. And we each had 60 points with which to spend. So you could put five points here, three points there, wherever you liked. In order for a movie to make our top 10 list, all three of us have to have given it at least one point. Mm -hmm. And anything that didn't get all three of our votes could then later on be chosen as an honorable mention, but it had to be the thing you gave the most points to right. that didn't make the top 10 list. So if Mo gave Gave two points to one film and three points to another. Neither one of those made the top 10. The three point one that Mo chose would be his honorable mention. We had until 5 p.m. the night before this recording in order to <laughs> change our votes. And we had a lively debate on yeah, a recent administration call that we had in order to decide because there was a couple toward the end. We didn't have the ninth and 10th spots filled out really mm -hmm. because we hadn't given votes from all three people to those last couple of spots. Yeah. And one of them was a travesty, which we'll get to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a travesty to some is who cares to someone else. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so we have our list together. And as you said, this is a group list. This is all of us. This is the Gen X grown-up list. We have gotten together our brains and decided what we'd selected as the top 10 Schwarzenegger films of our Gen X era. So why don't we get the ball rolling with our number 10 pick? This is a film from 1993. I gave it five points. Mo gave it three. George only gave it one piddly little point. And that was part was of our- negotiation that was point. That's that's negotiation. It was absolutely a bartering point. That's a, just a chip you threw my way. This was the last action hero, the meta film from kind of later in the post 80s. He's almost making fun of his own roles in action yeah. films. Mm -hmm. The synopsis reads, with the help of a magic ticket, a young movie fan is transported into the fictional world of his favorite action movie character. I always enjoyed this film. I don't know why you guys didn't like it more. I mean, I gave it five points. It's so meta. It's like Deadpool before Deadpool, where it's all it's winking at the audience the entire time. It's got a damn animated cat in it named Whiskers. How can yeah. you go wrong? <laughs> well, first of all, you put an animated cat in the movie called Whiskers. That's the first one you go wrong. <laughs> that's, that, that's a problem for you. It's a selling point for me. No, I mean, it was it was a decent film. It wasn't stupendous. It wasn't great. It obviously didn't 
break the bank as far as budget no. receipts and <laughs> the box office or anything, but I understood the premise and I understood why it could have been good. I just felt like it didn't deliver none of the, it didn't deliver on what it should or could have been. You mentioned Deadpool. There's no way you put this in the class of a Deadpool film. They're just not even close. Deadpool is so much better than this as far as the metaverse, especially the ending scenes and the, the Deadpool ending sequences during the credits are better than this whole film. <laughs> Well, you know, critics would tend to agree with you. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a 40%, and the audience mm. was slightly more generous at 47%. All those cat lovers. I'm going to give it a 50. I, it was just dumb popcorn fun. It's not what I go back to again and again, but I thought it was fun the way that the kid came into the film and was trying to convince the character that he was in a movie, right. <laughs> and he knew what the bad guys had done because he'd seen the beginning of the movie. I mean, I, mean, I enjoyed the movie just because it was just, like you said, it was all one big, I'm making fun of this whole genre movie. Yeah. Right. I mean, the whole thing it was and also you look at all the cameos they got on this too which is also a sign of generally of a movie that's not taking itself seriously where they just throw random people in just because okay like who i mean tina turner was in it she was the mayor at the end uh sharon stone robert patrick were in it whiskers that was danny devito doing the voice of that was it i didn't know yeah. that <laughs> i mean i think they got everybody who they knew or who's ever in a schwarzenegger movie to do a cameo pretty much in this thing robert patrick was walking out as the, as the t-1000 wasn't he as the liquid yeah, metal yeah. He like looked like his role in Terminator <laughs> 2, Terminator I think. Two. <laughs> and if anything else, I think this kind of helped that Schwarzenegger like had a bunch of sense of humor about himself and it kind of showed that he he's it okay making that. fun of even the stuff he's done before and he's well, okay. Of course with that. he was okay with it. He was getting paid. I had to pay to go watch him make fun of himself and he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but there's some actors that won't do that. That's just so serious <laughs> that they would never even poke fun of themselves. And I like Schwarzenegger, I think, because of that. It's because they all watched Last Action Hero and they said, I'm not doing that to my career. <laughs> they learned their lesson. <laughs> I, I don't think this hurt his career at all oh no no it didn't <laughs> all right let's move along then mo what the, how about our number nine pick so the number nine pick for us was another one of the comedy genre which was twins that came out in 1988 mm -hmm. schwarzenegger and danny devito i mean so john you gave this five i gave it five george gave it three so none of us like thought it was amazing but we all thought it was okay right i would say in the okay range it's okay yeah i still remember the trailer when the trailer came out for this they had it was like a super serious like you know, on this thing, this experiment was born to create the perfect human. And then there was a baby. And then they have underneath the baby, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But he had a twin brother. They bring up this other baby. And they said, Danny DeVito. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and that was like the whole trailer. They didn't show anything else. And I just thought it was, it was like a funny movie. It was entertaining. Schwarzenegger, they kind of gave him a role that he didn't have to be that good an actor, really. Because it's like, oh, you're on an island. You don't know anything about social graces. So it's okay. <laughs> and so the, the, the official description of the movie is a physically perfect but innocent man goes in search of his long lost twin brother who is short a womanizer and a small time crook which is pretty much small time ha 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 <laughs> <laughs> get it because <laughs> they just it's almost like they said okay we want a schwarzenegger film and we need what's the opposite of schwarzenegger like what? because yeah. wasn't he like super naive and yeah, he'd he never been out in the world or anything yeah, he grew up in a beautiful paradise island was it is and, that what it was yeah, yeah and he was raised by his father the scientist guy i think mm -hmm. that was who took him to the island oh, okay yep somebody yep. took him to the island i, I don't remember who but yeah, he was raised in the lap of luxury, you know, fig leaves and coconuts and all that <laughs> stuff. And Danny DeVito, of course, was tossed to the Blues Brothers orphanage of our lady right. of good yep. death or whatever. <laughs> so it was trying to say uh, nature versus nurture, which one of those things is right. really yeah. affecting a person for their life. And it was it was a nice heartwarming film, especially as they get together and then they try to find their mother and then all the stuff goes crazy because Danny DeVito's stolen the engine and it, mm -hmm. it was a fun film. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I just didn't want to give a whole bunch of points mm -hmm. to it because there were other films that I had to give points oh, sure. to put them in Absolutely. their proper place later on the list. I like that they learn from each other, right? So Danny DeVito's character kind of introduces the world that the Schwarzenegger character had never known. And in return, the DeVito character kind of becomes a little more self-aware, a little more caring, and mm -hmm. they build off of each other and bring out the best parts of one another. It also wasn't well-reviewed, 43% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes, 39 with the audience. I think I remember it as being better than it probably was, but it was, this is that, that honeymoon of, you know, 88, I was just out of high school, going to the movies all the time. And do you remember, there is supposed to be a sequel in the works called what? Triplets. Mm. It's been a production hell for a long time, but it's Triplets. supposed to be Schwarzenegger right. and DeVito, who are the okay. opposite of each other. And they're like, so 
supposed to be, this is rumored, Eddie Murphy as the third twin, <laughs> as the third triplet, whatever. Oh, my God. What's the opposite of these two guys? Apparently, it's Eddie Murphy. I, don't I know. would see that. I would. Are you I kidding? I would totally I see would that. I would watch that right now. <laughs> right now. I was looking at some just random facts. Your Schwarzenegger made more money off this movie than either of his Terminator movies. Wow. I, oh, okay. Because he actually, because they had trouble funding, so he got points on the back end on this. Oh, okay. So box office success. So box office receipts money Yeah, he made, he made more money off Rather this movie. Rather than just a straight payday, right? Yeah. 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 Went to the George Lucas school of uh, take points on the back end for toys and marketing. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move it along to number eight, George. What was our next pick? Yes, 1990, just two years after his comedy movie debut, he decided to do another <laughs> comedy film called Kindergarten Cop. John gave this <laughs> oh, one yeah. three points. Totally stupid. But anyway, uh, Mo gave <laughs> wow. it six points. Damn. And I gave it five. I just <laughs> wow. can't understand. This was like one of the best Schwarzenegger comedy films that there was. It's heartwarming. He's looking after little kids. He starts off as this big undercover drug deal cop guy and yeah. these kids just melt his heart so much so that at the end of the film oh. he comes back it's such a beautiful story the whole way through i thought it was really well done i'll give you the description a tough cop must pose as a kindergarten teacher in order to locate a dangerous criminal's ex-wife who may hold the key to putting him behind bars so yes yeah. convoluted storyline no question but <laughs> much much better by far than last action hero and I'd say slightly better than twins. Yeah, well, I would agree. like twins. It was it had a lot of heart to it. They were looking for an excuse. We want to put this action hero in a kindergarten where he's super, super, super uncomfortable. And then what excuse can we use to get there? Uh, it did well with the reviewers. 51% well, well compared to the other ones. 51% right. with right. the critics, 50% with the audience. I remember a lot of goofy stuff in that film. The kid actors were decent. But maybe my favorite memory of the film is the scene where he suspects the one boy is being abused by his dad or stepdad oh, right. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he follows him out to the car and like punches the window or throws him yeah. against the car. You hit the kid. I hit you. Right. <laughs> and then the follow up with the, he's in the uh, he's in principal's, the principal's right. office. Yeah, he's like you know you can't be doing that to parents whatever he's like i know it's like did it feel good i've always wanted to do that <laughs> <laughs> so he secretly knows right he's doing the right thing just in the wrong way but right it showed he again he had a comedic and warm side mm -hmm. unlike his early early it's like 70s films he was turning into an actual actor which right. was good to see there yeah that's why i agree i think that's like when his acting started to get better because early on I me mean, honestly it was like they got him for the look and that's about it this one, though, I mean, they actually, especially the actress he was playing off of, like the his partner, like she was great in the role mm -hmm. when she's sick and he comes in there. He's like, I'll be the teacher. And he's like, you know, she looks at him he's like, they're going to eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> and they do. Uh, like George said it was just a fun, heartwarming, good feel good movie to watch. It's the first Arnold Schwarzenegger film that my mother could watch. Okay. Like yeah. she she didn't see twins, you know, but I'm her and I went to see Kindergarten Cop and she loved every minute of it, especially, you know, she had taught special needs children when she was younger. So mm -hmm. that whole teaching kids aspect really appealed to her. But then all those scenes where he was interacting with those kids and the kids were just being themselves. Yes, they were delivering some lines, but they were still a lot of the scenes kids. were just the kids running yeah. around playing and doing stuff. Right. I think her favorite scene in mine, too, is the one where he's sitting there and he's all down and the kids are, what's wrong, Mr. Kimball? I have a headache. Oh, you must have a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. <laughs> not, a tumor. <laughs> not a tumor at all. Do you know there actually was a sequel to this? No. Really? What, first grade Yes. Ki no, Kindergarten Cop 2. What? It starred Dolph Lundgren in 2016. Shut up. Yes. Dolph Lundgren. Wait, okay. This came out in 2016? Yeah. I have never heard of this. It got a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, that's, that's why you've never, never, like never heard of it. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. And I, I'm a little ashamed for Dolph Lundgren, but yeah, there is a sequel. Sure I, enough. You know what? I have no desire to see that. Nope. Me neither. <laughs> Nope, nope. Don't even care. You know, sometimes you hear about these sequels. I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll check that one out. No, no, nope. absolutely zero desire. <laughs> our list is well underway. After the break, we're going to move it along with our next few picks in our top 10 list. Stick around. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, 
We explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up, but if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. Now, more than ever, to be a teacher requires patience, kindness, and understanding. Fortunately, Astoria Elementary has just hired such an individual. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten is like the ocean. You don't want to turn your back on it. Don't worry. Everything is under control. George, you kind of laid out like how we gave out the points and, you know, how we rated everything. But there were a few movies that none of us gave any points to (laughs) from the start at all. Well, well, now, spoiler alert. These might be a list of films that are great that people expect to see in the top three. No, they won't. No, (laughs) I don't think there's any chance. Unless these were the only three films they ever saw of Arnold Schwarzenegger, they wouldn't make (laughs) it into anybody's top three. Yeah, that's true. Although I'm sure we're going to get some listener email about this, I'm sure. They're going to say, are you kidding me? This is the best ever. But okay, so. So for all of you Are You Kidding Me fans out there, I'm just going to list them off for you, and then we're going to let this one go. So here are the zero-point movies. We got The Comeback, mm-hmm. Conan the Destroyer, yeah. Red Sonja, mm. Raw Deal, Red Heat, Dave, even though that one, he was just a cameo, so I kind of get that right. one. Beretta's Island, Junior. <laughs> Where he was pregnant? Yeah. Is that what, oh, God. <laughs> and Batman and Robin. We cannot oh. not forget that one. Time to cool off. And end of days. So those are the ones yes. oh. we, we just said no points. Even we don't want these on any list of ours except for worst I movies. I hadn't watched End of Days. I made myself go and watch that one because I'd never seen it. I'm like, I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to prepare just in case uh-huh. it gets some points. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was happy to get it. Holy. <laughs> so okay. Not even a one. So not let's nothing. not bring these up ever again. Let's, <laughs> let's move on to the, the films movies. to never be mentioned ever again in the context <laughs> yeah. of this top 10 list. Okay. Uh, we were up to uh, 1098. Number seven, George, why don't you move us along with our number seven pick? All right. 1987, the impetus for a lot of video games back then, like Smash TV, Mm -hmm. The Running Man. Uh This was Arnold Schwarzenegger is a wrongly convicted policeman. I'll give you the description in it. First, I'll give you the votes. So John gave it five. Mo Mm -hmm. gave it four. I gave it seven. I really enjoyed this film. Uh, Description is in a dystopian America, a falsely convicted policeman gets his shot at freedom when he must forcibly participate in a TV game show where convicts known as runners must battle killers for their freedom. Mm -hmm. What could go wrong? (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, you could have the uh, kiss stealing game show host bandit, Richard Dawson. (laughs) Richard Dawson. One of the lead roles in this thing. Yeah. That's that's funny you say that because my grandmother, that's what she called him. Kissing man. <laughs> right. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, he was a little creepy with that on uh, Family Feud yeah. for years. Like, I don't know, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years he hosted that show. But he definitely turned what he was on Family Feud up to like 11 or 12 in oh, this yeah. movie. Yeah, for sure. He was in front of the cameras. He was, you know, Mr. America hosting this, you know, and he had this catchphrase of yes. And and then behind the scenes, he was like, get that guy. I want him to die on the show next because he's got big muscles. I'll get 20 points for his arms alone. Yeah. And, <laughs> he's just right. looking for ratings. Yeah. It's, right. Yeah. And yep. he hates everybody. Was he ever in anything else? Or was Why would Richard Dawson be in a film? He was in Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, that's true. He's in Hogan's Heroes. He, he acted there and then he was Family Feud and mm-hmm. then this and then, film yeah. and I guess that's probably I guess it. that's probably a bit shit but yeah. you know hey people have had worse careers <laughs> I guess I mean obviously they wanted a game show host and right. Family At Feud was, was huge, still popular right? so yeah I can imagine somebody going we need a Richard Dawson type <laughs> just get Richard Dawson <laughs> yeah. right well because it wasn't like they were going to go get Alex Trebek or Pat Sajak neither one of them were going to hold that, that. good point <laughs> yeah <laughs> this movie I mean I enjoyed the movie I didn't give it like a ton of points because kind of like you George you know I wanted to save my points with some of the later movies I think mm-hmm. really were worthy but this was based on a I think it was a Stephen King short story. Oh, like a novella? Oh, yeah? Yeah, novella that just had absolutely zero to do with it other than the title. And the fact that the guy was running, that's it. (laughs) I like the concept. It was a novel concept that you're like, you know, they say good science fiction is a logical projection of reality. Like you take Mm -hmm. what's happening and make it bigger and more ridiculous in the future and how people love watching, you know, police chases on TV and stuff. So why not take like the criminal justice system and make it entertainment television? It's not that radical of an idea if for a science fiction concept yeah i mean it's, it's not actually but nobody really done anything quite like it before it was an interesting concept yeah. well and it had some interesting 
actors that were in some of the roles. Yafet Kodo, he's one of my favorite actors of that era. He was in James Bond's Liver Let Die. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He was even on a police detective procedural show in mm-hmm. the 90s. Um, but he's done a lot of good stuff. And then it also had Jesse the Body Ventura. And this is not yes. the only film from that year that he starred in. No, that's with right. Schwarzenegger. We're going to talk about the other one a little <laughs> yeah. bit later. I'm sure everybody guessed already what that film is. But <laughs> right. uh, it had a lot of interesting people besides Richard Dawson and Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, is the star. So no, no, for sure. It was a fun film back then. Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, Mick Fleetwood was in it. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> uh, bit. Zappa's kid. I forgot what, what his name was. Moonbeam. But he was one of the he was one of the uh, revolutionaries that were inside the grid helping him. He was part of Mick Fleetwood's group. Uh, to show you how much of an 80s movie this was, though, Paula Abdul choreographed all the dance scenes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what 80s. dance scenes? What dance scenes? Oh, from the, the TV show. Yeah, the yeah. TV yeah. show part. Where the girls were all dancing on stage and doing the <laughs> musical interpretation thing, like when people died and they would do yeah, the They had their, <laughs> their own version of the Fly Girls on the, the Running yeah, exactly. Man game show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I find, I find it interesting that we did not look at the ratings when we were doing our pick list, mm, but no. as we work our way up the list, the ratings are getting better too. Rotten Tomatoes has this oh. at a 64%. An audience wow. is 60. Oh, okay. It's getting up there. Like legitimately good films that not just because they're Schwarzenegger films, but good across the board. Huh. Well, let me steer us into the next one. So our number six pick, we're just about halfway through. This came out in 1990. I gave it seven points, Mo with four, and George gave it a honestly very legitimate eight points. Mm-hmm. And I think it earned every single point. This is Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Oh, th- <gasps> this is a film that we were talking during during our picks that even got remade into a newer film. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make it a good film because the newer one is kind of so-so. But the first one had so many, I mean, quotable moments and great scenes that people Wait go back to again and again. Did you say the newer one was so-so? When we yeah. had our debates earlier, I had to debate on that side of this one and Mo debated on the new one and you picked Mo's argument over mine. <laughs> I think you're misremembering my, my I preferences. I am not misremembering anything. No, George does not misremember stuff like that, I'm sure. It's not as good as the first one, I'll say that. Whatever I may have said in the past. Well, then why did you say that then damn it i would have won that debate show well like you it depended on what point i was trying to make is what my preferences are <laughs> <laughs> you were the judge you weren't making the <laughs> uh the, the premise of this one is when a man when a man goes in to have virtual vacation memories of the planet mars and planet in his mind an unexpected and harrowing series of events forces him to go to the planet for real or is he bah, bah, bah. yeah <laughs> and that's the conceit of this whole film that makes it more than just a, you know, come with me if you want to live kind of another film. (laughs) It's almost an inception. Is it happening? Is it not happening? Is it Mm -hmm. real? Is it not real? They keep unfolding and peeling the layers off the onion. And even at the end, like you're pretty sure what happened, but you can reinterpret it. You can go back again and again. Oh, sure. That makes it a deeper film on top of being fun. Yeah, you can watch this film multiple times and think multiple different things happened. That's what I love about this. This was a Paul Verhoeven film, I think. Oh, was it? I didn't remember. I think he was the director on it, but I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. I think that's right. It was one of those that still to this day, it's kind of like Clue. If you only watched Clue in the theaters back in the day and they only showed you one ending scene and then you had to go back and watch it over and over again to figure out what was really happening. Yep. That was the way this was, but with only one ending. They didn't have to shoot multiple endings to this because everything they did, if you went back and rewatched it and you pick up little pieces like the uh, technician when he's getting his memory implant, they go, huh, blue sky on Mars. That's neat. And then later on in the film, they're standing (laughs) there on the, you see a blue sky, right? And you're like, was that a suggestion or was that real or was that a reference? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) It was a star vehicle for people that were stars then or were rising stars stars, or pinnacles or obviously Schwarzenegger and Sharon Stone, but Mm -hmm. what Michael Ironside, Ronnie Cox, Dean Norris had a bit Mm -hmm. part in this. There were so many people that it's not just a Schwarzenegger vehicle. It was like an all-star kind of cast that uh, of who's who's yeah. in that era. Well, I thought, I remember coming out of the movie that it's almost like, it reminded me of The Matrix in the sense that if you have the memory of the vacation, you have a couple tchotchkes that they give you for physical, what's the difference between that and actually going on the vacation? Right. As long as you enjoyed it and you, you get relaxed. Is that real? Then people are like, well, it's not really real, but is it? I mean, if you remember it's real, then it's real. We spent many uh, arg- 
just talking through that, like, wait, this doesn't make sense, you know. And of course, at that age, you know, not a lot of things did, but still, it was interesting. Although some of the special effects were a little, you know, 80s. Yeah. (laughs) But they were brilliant for the day. I don't know. They were ahead of most other films for the day. I thought a couple of them. You go look at other stuff from that timeline. There's not too much else that's better than than that movie is. And they're almost entirely practical effects, which I Mm -hmm. still enjoyed from that era. Right. But just like when his face is like exploding when they're on the surface of Mars at the end and the whole, it just looked funny. I mean, it looked like a squeeze doll that you squeeze and its eyes pop out. No question. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if I would actually look like that, maybe. But the other one where he's wearing the uh, big woman life suit. That was cool. That was was neat. Yeah, that was cool. Separated out and moved above him. Yeah. That's brilliant. That was cool. I admit that was a very cool special effect. Pulling the thing out of his nose. That was good. Oh, right. Yeah. There's the most pause scene ever. The triple boob lady. You had to go back and watch that again and again. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had three hands. And true to what we were saying, as these get higher, the ratings get higher. This is the first one on our list that has that, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh thing. 82% mm, after wow. all these years. That's See, still, the audience even gave it almost 80. See, I knew yeah. I should have won that debate. <laughs> maybe so. Revisionist history. We'll go back. Maybe. I'll give you a partial credit. I think maybe so. <laughs> all right. Halfway through, let's move into number five. Mo, what's next? Oh, number five. Now, this was one of my favorite movies on the list. It's True Lies. Back mm. in 1994, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Now, John, you yep. gave this 10. Right. You must have obviously really liked this movie. That's I right. I gave it eight mm-hmm. big points. George gave it two. Idiot. Huh? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just, just scratching my head. But here's a synopsis. is a fearless, globe-trotting, terrorist-battling secret agent has his life turned upside down mm-hmm. when he discovers his wife might be having an affair with a used car salesman <laughs> while terrorists smuggled nuclear warheads into the United States. What a movie! What a movie! <laughs> and let me tell you, I gave this a lot of points because, well, one, Jamie Lee Curtis's dance scene was pretty damn good. And hilarious. And it was funny. Like, when she right, fell... It was sexy and hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Like, when she fell off the pole I, or the bedpost, I just cracked <laughs> up. I thought that was funny. Again, it was kind of like, okay, if a super Asian had a real life, what would happen? And Tom Arnold actually... This is one of the few movies I thought he was really good in. I thought he was it was he was the perfect sidekick in this one for the role. Oh, he was. Yeah. The only reason I dropped my point value on this one because there's one coming up in the next segment that I had to throw a lot of points to because somebody else <laughs> Hadn't even seen the damn movie. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that, George. I, I feel your pain, dude. <laughs> I will say of this film, though, I did enjoy it, I think, as much as you guys did. But for me, the best cameo in the entire film is Bill Paxton as the car salesman. Oh, he was great. He was awesome <laughs> in that role. The car salesman who got women by pretending he Pending. was a secret agent. <laughs> is trying to hit on Jamie Lee Curtis and steal her away for a tryst from the real secret agent, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Who's Arnold Schwarzenegger? Which if he he actually had seen him, he would know that was a big mistake. Oh, I loved it. And then they get in the car and they do the test drive. Oh, that scene, Mm. that scene with the fantasy flashback thing. I referenced that. My wife and I referenced that all the time is if you could only do what you want to do. Right, oh, the when he scene punches where he's in the car thing. and he yeah. backfists him, breaks his nose, and like kills him in the car, and then the jump cut, it didn't really happen. Right. Right. You, I picture that all the time. I'm talking to somebody in my mind, I'm punching him right in the nose, and like I didn't really do Uh-oh. it, but it felt George, good to fantasize it. I didn't know about well, that. Well, and then the best part was how he he really outs Bill Paxton as not being a secret agent. They do the whole right. false oh, flag yeah. operation in the trailer where they cut the trailer in half. <laughs> yes. And that leads into the Jamie Lee Curtis dancing stuff later on. It just brilliant. And they have him out there and he's like, I have to lie to get women. It's sad. Yeah, it was really a great movie. After seeing this on the list, I was like, I'm going to go back and watch that one again because I had a lot of fun on that one. And they have a lot of good chemistry. Schwarzenegger and Curtis yeah, together. They really did. She plays this transition from being kind of this mousy, kind of mm-hmm. put upon housewife to coming into her own and she's going to investigate what's going on. And then, spoiler alert for this 40 year old movie, <laughs> by the end, they show that she becomes a secret agent with him, which I right. think is a fantastic way to kind of cap this story. Well, and, you know, their daughter, Eliza Dushku, oh, she yes. went on to be yeah. a big star as well. So there was a yeah. lot of people in this film that were 
B and A list celebrities throughout their careers. It was a, it was a really well crafted film, and they put the right people in the right roles. Yeah, when he's under the truth serum, and she's like, "Have you killed people?" And he's like, "But they were all bad." <laughs> <laughs> you know, did you know that for a while this was the most expensive film ever made? No, I didn't know that. Yep, it was a hundred million dollars mm. in nineteen ninety three four. Yeah, all those Harrier scenes with the the plane that could hover and everything. Oh, that's true. Maybe that's what it was. And blowing up that bridge. That was a real bridge. Oh, the in old Florida. Key West Bridge. Yeah. yeah. Until Waterworld came out. And Waterworld yeah. cost like 120 million. Like yeah. it, so it just barely beat it out. But for a little while, this was the most expensive, which is kind of crazy, but still nowhere near as good a film. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this kind of breaks with the trend. Look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. This one only got a 71. Still decent. That's, that's Still a not decent bad. score, though. That's a decent yeah. score. It follows the George Points trend, so that's good. <laughs> Is that what it does? Oh, okay. I give it less points. <laughs> oh, so. okay. Only two points, lower ratings. Are they checking with you? Maybe they call George they and go, well, how many points should we give yeah, this? I don't know. So. But I, I got some spam emails a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Dear George, love Rotten Tomatoes. Send your ratings when you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stick around. After the break, we're moving into our top four. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. For 15 years, Harry Tasker's been leading a double life. Mr. President, one of our best men is inside. Transmitting now. Now, they're about to collide. What's your exit strategy? I'm going to walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure. Here's my invitation. Mr. Tasker's office. Hi, it's Helen. Is he in? Harry's in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker. It's not like he's saving the world or anything. George, you had alluded a little bit ago that there was a film coming up on our list that there was a great deal of debate about behind the scenes. <laughs> yes. Because one of us hadn't seen it yet and hadn't one of even us. given it points. One of I, us. I don't know who it was. One That's an interesting us. turn of phrase there because I believe yeah. it was one of you. One, yeah. It, it was this one is of from me. 1982, just to set the stage. John gave it two points. Begrudgingly, we had to force him into those two points. Yeah. Mo gave it eight. <laughs> oh, my God. I gave it 10 just to make sure that it got into a position that that it really deserved. I think this one could be in the top three, but I understand it not making there. It's close. We had like five different ties at one point or something. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But this yeah. film is the film that made Arnold famous, Conan the Barbarian. That's right. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, John <laughs> has still not watched this uh, uh, damn uh, 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 movie. Well, I've I, I tried to watch it. I watched oh, some of it. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, when we saw the points on this list, the first time, well, the time when we discussed our point distribution, this is one of those rare moments when me and George were in solidarity against John. <laughs> we sat there, he gave it like a point, and we're like, how the hell can you get No, this? he started off with no points, remember? Oh, no it had points. zero It was first. number 10 on the list, but he couldn't make the list because you and I had voted in John Hatton. And we're like, how could you give this no points? And John's like, well, I never saw it. And we're like, what the fuck <laughs> did you just say? <laughs> it was on a dual play that day with Goonies or some shit. And he never yeah, went to the theater. I don't know what happened. Double, double feature. feature and he was sick that day. I don't know what the hell. First, it blew us away that he had never seen this movie. Mm. Well, let's give the description real quick, just yeah. in case anybody else out there is like John and never seen the film. <laughs> there is anybody else. <laughs> a young boy, Conan, becomes a slave after his parents are killed and tribe destroyed by a savage warlord and sorcerer, Thulsa Doom. When he grows up, he becomes a fearless, invincible fighter, set free he plots revenge against Thulsa Doom. Yeah. And they had to get Thulsa Doom in there twice because Thulsa Doom was played by James Earl James Jones. Earl Jones. Yeah. Yep. And he played the part beautifully. If you've got a guy who's 
big muscled and can't act and can't speak, this is the story you stick him in. Because <laughs> everybody else world. around it can handle the acting and he can just get up there and chop heads. And that's exactly <sighs> what Conan and the Barbarian was. Yeah. That's a really good description, but I'm going to ad lib my own description of this film now that <laughs> oh, I've seen Jesus. it. Oh, Jesus. You haven't seen uh, it. Kind of. No, I have. I have. You watched it all the way through. I watched it from beginning to end, all the way through. Right. I, it, it didn't hold my attention, but I did watch it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, kid's mom has her head cut off. Two plodding hours later of killing snakes and bare-breasted women, he gets revenge and cuts the other guy's head off. Hooray! That's what I saw in this film. Fucking asshole. Jesus. It didn't grab me. Okay, when I saw this movie back in 80, when it first came out, actually, I thought it was like a Frank Prezetta poster come to life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it, yeah, absolutely. It had the look. Yeah. And that, to me, was like, it, it probably carried me throughout the whole movie because I was like, oh my God, all they do is show some half-naked ladies and I'll be there. And sure enough, they did. I was like, yes. Yeah, I was a teenager. I started to rewatch it as well, just recently, because I hadn't seen it well. And I will admit, I said, okay, looking at it through my now 50-something-year-old eyes, it's a different movie. <laughs> than when I saw it as a teenager. I, I'm not saying it holds up. I'm not saying that it's equal right. to a modern day film, but for the time when it uh, came yes. out, it was a masterpiece. Yeah, it was just a great movie. I just enjoyed it. This from the guy who just shit on the Blues Brothers two weeks ago. Hold on. <laughs> I was going to bring that up, but since you did, okay, okay. I was certainly very kind to the Blues Brothers compared to what you just described. I was at least willing to admit that I came into it with the wrong viewpoint or that maybe oh, I didn't true. understand things. And so therefore, because I didn't get to watch it back then, maybe that's why it didn't hold the nostalgic value to me. You're not even giving it that much credit. You're just saying somebody's head gets chopped off, shitty movie, somebody's head gets chopped off. Well, I don't think I said shitty movie. I said two plotting yeah, hours. Yeah, you plotting <laughs> two hours, whatever. Now, similarly, like you, I don't have the nostalgia for the film. I never saw it before. And honestly, despite being a fan of playing D&D, I never really gravitated toward the sword and sorcery films as much as I did sci-fi. So maybe it's just not a film for me. Despite how it holds up, it's not a film that I would ever have enjoyed. Even back then, I don't think, oddly enough. Well, and this is the best of the sword and sorcery films of the 80s. There were a lot of really bad ones, yeah. though. <laughs> a really, really bad ones. There were a lot of bad ones. We've even talked about some of them, like yeah. Beastmaster. We talked about that one on a previous podcast, I think. And there were a hundred other ones. Fire and Ice was an animated version of this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But this is by far the best of the sword and sorcery films of the 80s. There were definitely fun set pieces in it. I definitely enjoyed little bits of it, but as a cohesive film, it felt like what it was, a vehicle almost for Schwarzenegger to become a superstar. Though that no, wasn't the was. goal of it initially, that's what it became. He showed off what he could do in this film. I'll give him that. I think Schwarzenegger, I mean, he's always been like an, he seemed like an intelligent, like managing his career, he always yeah. made very smart moves, right? It seems like throughout his entire career. Well, and this pumping iron. Well, pumping <laughs> iron did well, actually, didn't it? Uh, it got his name out there. Right. Got his foot in the door. It might have, but Hercules in New York sure as hell got his name out the door. <laughs> that maybe that was a, that was a, that was a mistake. That's for sure. But this one though, it's like he needed something that he just basically had to look good, right? For the mm -hmm. most part. Matter of fact, you talk about the Blues Brothers. His first line in the movie is not for like twenty minutes, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And that's when he answers the question, "What is best in life?" And, ah, yeah, mm -hmm. what is best Crush in life? Crush your and, enemies, see them driven before you, hear the laminations, the laminations of their, of their women. women, and laminations <laughs> probably took thirty takes. <laughs> <laughs> probably did <laughs> the lamentation no, no let's do it again Arnold <laughs> I mean that's a great line unto itself just that I mean that's like a Conan line that's what I really liked about oh, it oh it's a t-shirt quote these days I've seen oh, it yeah. a lot of different places bumper stickers and t-shirts yeah mm -hmm. But if you don't have Conan, you don't have the rest of this list. I don't think Pumping yeah. Iron and Hercules New York get him to other films that we're going to talk about oh, a yeah, little bit later. And you certainly don't have this whole list with twins and everything else. Absolutely. And we mentioned this dur during our discussion of points, the fact that I'm not voting on these based on their impact on his career. I'm voting on how they are as films. And I think you said you're kind of 50-50. You, you are considering that a bit. True? Is yeah, that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you have to because... It's not just the top 10 Arnold Schwarzenegger films. I know that's the title of the list, but it's a collective, right? It's not just the parts. It's the sum of their whole. And you can't look at any top 10 list of an Arnold Schwarzenegger film library without thinking about how each film impacted the others moving throughout his career. Because if you don't have this, if you don't have some other ones that we're going to talk about a little bit later in our top spots, you don't have Arnold Schwarzenegger as who he is. You don't get to Last Action Hero if you don't start at Conan. Yes, I agree. 
if it wasn't for Conan, he wouldn't have a career, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Could be. Could be. Doesn't mean I have to love it. <laughs> well, I say you have to love it, but geez. Critics gave it a 64%. I think very tellingly, the audience is 74%, much higher. I think it's more beloved than probably it was critically acclaimed. Sure. Uh, so that's probably where it falls. And I should mention, by the way, if you're interested in hearing the <laughs> lively debate that took place, <laughs> yeah, we actually recorded that, and uh, it will be published as an exclusive patron bonus. So if you are a patron or would like to become one, you'll get to hear that behind-the-scenes stuff. We'll post it a little bit after this episode. You get to hear me and George lose our shit when we find out that you had not seen it. (laughs) (laughs) That's an accurate response. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. All right, let's move along to to number three, Mo. What do we have next on the list? Uh, Okay, so now we're in our top three, and I think this movie definitely deserves in the top three, for me anyway, which was Predator. 1987. Mm. Okay, John, you gave it five. I gave it seven. George, you gave it nine. I I could see the range. The brief description is that, you know, a team of commandos on a mission in a Central American jungle find themselves hunted by an extraterrestrial warrior. Awesome. One is I thought it was a, just generally, I just thought it was a good movie. I thought it was just a well put together movie. The storytelling, the pacing. The storytelling, the pacing, the way they did the Predator. I thought it got to the action quickly enough. Like some movies kind of plod in the beginning, then sort of pick up, just picked up high. It just sort of, it just kept you at that high level, I think, throughout the entire thing. And at the end, you know, you're sitting there wondering, like, how the hell is he going to beat this thing? Because it seemed unbeatable. Right. And what I really liked about it was that in one movie, they gave an entire alien race a culture. Like, you understood the culture of that thing at the end of the movie, I think. Absolutely. You know, and I thought that was so cool. Yeah, without showing much about it, right? I mean, really, right. all you see mm-hmm. is the ship coming into Earth, then mm-hmm. later on in the film, you see him cleaning off the skulls and kind of trophizing right. them, making them into trophies, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, you don't see a whole lot. And then at the end, you know, him laughing in the other guy's voice as he sets off the bomb, you know, to right. kill himself. Mm-hmm. You don't see a lot about it, but you understand it. It's implied so well right. by the director and the writer. I thought it was a great film. Yeah, it, this is a fun movie. I mean, mm-hmm. where other commando type movies are the... Um, I'm trying to say it's it's the bravado and it's the it's the grime and the blood and the stuff. This was a sci-fi commando kind of film, yeah, kind of where it had these guys working together against this common foe, not a bunch of people trying to fight each other. And it wasn't just who can get the slip on somebody; it was figuring out how to overcome. And like you mm-hmm. said, Mo, insurmountable odds. This predator was well suited to take these guys down, and they, against all odds, were able to come out on top. Yeah, I thought the scene at the end when the predator takes off its armor, the fight's where. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like you understood why he did that. It was almost mm-hmm. like, oh, he has a it's an honor thing. He has to fight him man to man. You made it this man. far. I respect you as a warrior. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, was, it was definitely a mutual respect thing. Um, do you remember the one person in his squad, the guy with the glasses? Yeah. He was actually the only reason they cast him is he's actually a writer. <laughs> and they wanted him on set to make last minute revisions. So <laughs> the easiest way to do that was to give him a role and have him be on there, be there all the time. Well, and the other little small guy on the team was like just a stuntman. And they gave him a role because he was so good. He was so good. And apparently the Sean Black, the actor I'm talking about, went on to direct like a couple of big movies after that. Like he wrote, Ah. I think, Predator 2 and a couple others. So good for him. I said, I just can't talk enough about this one. I really just love this movie. Well, you know, we talked earlier about Jesse Ventura being in The Running Man. Mm -hmm. Yes. Obviously, this was his first film with Schwarzenegger and it was his first movie overall. There's two great lines out of this film. One is the one that everybody knows from this film. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Let's get to the chopper. Let's go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesse Ventura's one line in this, after uh. they have this firefight scene in the jungle, mm-hmm. he just, they go, dude, you're bleeding. He's like, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> I love that line. That's I ain't got time line. to bleed. I love that, that line. That is fantastic. <laughs> and then the guy looks at him like, huh. You know, and that's the thing that was cool. Like, he didn't do like, oh, yeah, tough move. He's like, huh. He's like, got time to duck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just perfect for Ventura and the yeah. character he was playing, which was essentially just a pro wrestler with a gun, right? I mean, that's really kind of- A big ass gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I love the way he delivered it. I love the way that the camera focused on him when yeah. he said it from the side. I still, I'll go back sometimes and watch this movie and just watch that scene. Yeah, just for Jesse good, Ventura delivering that line. <laughs> that is a culmination of, we talked about great casting. This is a culmination of putting a scene together where you have the right character, the right line, the right you know, framing and everything. And that line informs you about who he is as a person, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Ladies for the week, I ain't got time for it. It says so much in right. I ain't got time to bleed. And you're like, <laughs> that is badass. That's <laughs> something I'm going to say the next time I nick my finger on a right. 
about something. You're, You're like, bleeding. Oh, goodness. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> and he said, I'm like, who's got the band-aids? <laughs> right. And, you know, we're forgetting this had Carl Weathers in it. He was yes, one of the right. main of people course. in this yeah. film. That's right. And we are completely blowing by him being in this movie because it was so good with so many of the people that were in it. Yeah. The girl who was being chased through the jungle that they grabbed mm-hmm. and everything, and they helped her to escape. Every part of this film had great people cast in the roles, and it came together perfectly, I thought. The part when I talk about how they built this whole culture in the movie, like you said, John, mm-hmm. like they just the perfect line. When she sits there and talks about like, oh, there's a tradition that goes back hundreds of years that during the hottest summers, you know, the, the, which says, like, holy crap, they've been coming here and doing this for a while it's been going on for a while mm-hmm. yeah you know, i just thought like yeah. they said there's so much about this movie i like and they laid a groundwork that this wasn't the end of the predator no. franchise this could have been a one and done this could have been just you know some monster movie and instead it spawned a whole franchise and they were fighting aliens mm-hmm. and tons of more stuff to remake a couple of years comic ago. books and video games oh yeah and i'm not saying any of those are any good i'm just saying that they all came from this <laughs> yeah <one. laughs> there's enough meat on the bone there that they were to keep doing more with it and the right. critics agreed this is the second one that Certified fresh, 81% Rotten Tomatoes. The audience says 87. Uh, and I would tend to agree. This is yeah, a absolutely. Fun, fun film. Speaking of a fun film, it's time for our number two. And I'm tickled pink that oh. I get to announce it. This is from 1991. Oh, I gave it <sighs> nine points. Mo gave it seven. George gave it six. We're talking about Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, that's mm. a good what movie. What a great a movie. film. CGI was finally getting to the point where it yeah. wasn't new enough that it was garbage. It was actually doing well. That liquid metal Terminator. We mentioned Robert Patrick earlier as the the T-1000. Oh, my goodness. A cyborg identical to the one who failed to kill Sarah Connor must now protect her 10-year-old son, John Connor, from a more advanced and more powerful cyborg. Yeah, that was awesome. So I think probably one of the most famous moments of this, almost like a a, what a twist Shyamalan thing, (laughs) is when you find out about 20 minutes into the film that the Terminator that's come back this time is not there to kill John Connor anymore, Mm -hmm. but to protect him. And then, of course, you get the twist later. Spoiler alert that actually John Connor sent him back to protect himself. Uh, That kind of stuff is just such a well-structured film. The action scenes, I mean, riding the motorcycle chase with the the, the big rig behind mm-hmm. them and they're oh my spinning God, the shotgun huge. and just so much to love. More CG, so they actually had to have a motorcycle being chased by a truck back then. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. like they could yep. <laughs> you know, fake it. And also, let's, I mean, Sarah Connor, her role, I mean, that's the other thing I liked is like her role from the first movie to second made sense. She did what she would have done in that right. position. She knows it's real. She knows yeah. the judgment day is coming. She's not just sitting around waiting. Right. Yep. Well, and the actress had to completely change as well, because in the first film, she's a damsel in distress. That's basically right. what she yeah. is. This film, yep. she's a badass fighting machine <laughs> with ripped guns badass. and can yep. take on every orderly in the f- psychiatric ward. I mean, yeah. she is... <sighs> Wow. Awesome. And you know, oddly enough, a lot of people don't realize there are two sets of twins in this film as well. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So there is the security guard at the psych ward, the redheaded kind of rotund guy. When the Terminator turns into him, that's actually two twins, those two guys. Mm -hmm. But then Linda Hamilton's own sister is a twin. Right. The scene where there's the two of them and the T2 is switcher, that's Linda Hamilton and her sister in the scene. It's not CGI. Super clever. They used her in the, there's scenes where there's a mirror and they're Mm -hmm. uh, like pulling the, the, the chip out of his head mm-hmm. and there's no mirror there. It's just an open window and they had a fake head with a real Arnold on the other side, the real Sarah Connor on the other side and then the twin sister. So they used her for all kinds of cool trick yeah. shots yeah. because she had a twin sister. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you might as well use it. You got one. Why not? Did you guys know that there was actually an alternate ending to this? No. Hmm. I'm not sure I've heard about that. It was on the DVD. It was like one of the extras apparently, which I've never seen. So I'm like actually going to search on YouTube and you know find what changed, it. You don't know what changed about it, really. I saw the description, which basically is that it's like 20 20 years later. Oh, really? Huh. Sarah Connor is now like a senator or something weird like that. And really? whatever. And they got rid of it, obviously, because I think it just closed too many doors for the series and just didn't make For other sense. sequels and right. stuff. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Which is funny because the one that was most recently released takes place from this one all the way through. They just discounted three, four, five, whatever right. they were. <laughs> they just ignored they them. Did, they, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which thank God they whatever did. Whatever's convenient, throw it away. So John, yeah. how did this do in Rotten Tomatoes? It had to have done well, right? Oh, it did spectacularly. <laughs> oh yeah, 93%. Oh my God. And 94 with the audience. Yeah, I would be surprised if it was any less. It was a tentpole film in 91 and it continued to be, I think it was in theaters all throughout that year and yeah. part of it in 92 because it was absolutely just pounding it at the box office because yeah, it was one of those 
those you want to see. I saw this one a few times. I think I went to the theater and saw this movie like a few at times. least twice or three times. Yeah, <laughs> like the first time I saw it, I'm like, I can't believe what I just saw. This mm-hmm. is a movie now. Holy crap! This is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our number one is ahead. Plus some honorable mentions. Stick around. We'll see you right after the break. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Same make. These were taken at the West Highland Police Station, 1984. You were there. Same model. These were taken today. You have to let me see my son. He's in great danger. New mission. Once, he was programmed to destroy the future. You don't know what it's like to try to kill one of these things. Now his mission... Get down. ...is to protect it. We have made it from number 10 through number Two, number one is ahead. But first, Mm -hmm. we do have some honorable mentions. As George mentioned at the beginning of the show, these are films that not all three of us gave (laughs) points to, but it's something that we did put points on and we would like to give a little shout out here before we reveal our number one, which you probably might have guessed by this point. But Mo, why don't you go ahead with your honorable mention? Yeah. So my honorable mention was Commando, 1985. Okay. Not a great movie. I totally admit it. But let me tell you, it was just a summer fun movie that every few years I will go back and watch again just because it's so ridiculous so much fun a retired special forces colonel because you know the old special forces tries to save his daughter who's abducted by a former subordinate I mean Schwarzenegger got to save his kid he has a certain timeline it was over the top action I just really enjoyed the movie it wasn't a great movie but I just enjoyed watching it it wasn't a bad movie though it was okay yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah I see why it's not in the top 10 <laughs> I understand sure yeah <laughs> yeah so that was mine I mean again I just really really enjoyed it so how about you George what was your honorable mention yeah uh, well my honorable mention comes from 1996, the film Eraser. Description is Mm. a witness protection (laughs) specialist becomes suspicious of his co-workers when dealing with a case involving high-tech weapons. This one had another great co-star with James Caan as the leader of the witness protection group that actually turned on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes was not terribly kind to this film. (laughs) 38 critic and 39 on the audience. I can understand why it wasn't great. And I... If I remember right, uh, Vanessa, um, yeah, uh, uh, Williams, Vanessa Williams. Thank you. Yeah. She was That's the damsel right. in distress that he was trying to keep mm-hmm. safe and everything. So it had some really big hit actors like James Caan and it had Arnold Schwarzenegger and then, mm-hmm. you know, people who had not done a whole lot like Vanessa, but it was a fun film. It was action packed. They had some little sci-fi tech toys, which was pretty cool. I thought it definitely deserved at least a mention in the pantheon of Arnold Schwarzenegger films. I feel like I saw it at least once. I'm not sure if I saw it in the theater, but I'm sure I've seen I think it. I saw it like yeah. on HBO or yeah. something like that. I think it's it's a Schwarzenegger movie. You're going to apparently watch it. you gave it more respect than you did Conan, but okay. I did. Yes, I did. That's that's because <laughs> I've seen it for heaven's that's sake. A that's point one. Okay. Anyway, all right, John. What about you? You got an honorable mention for us? I do. Same year as Eraser, 1996. Uh, Schwarzenegger was, uh, he was in everything. And just like, yeah. what else can we put him in? It'll make money, I guess. Uh, and mine is Jingle All the Way, a very different kind of film for Schwarzenegger. Uh, you might remember uh, a father vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure. It's basically the Cabbage Patch doll of its time. Right. For Christmas, however, every store is sold out. And he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else in order to find one. Uh, yeah, that's the Tickle Me 
Elmo or whatever is the big yeah. deal for Christmas. Furby. Not just everybody else. There was one person in particular he had to compete with. Yes. Sinbad, the comedian. Sinbad. That's right. <laughs> I love him in this movie. <laughs> yeah. You had Phil Hartman, Robert Conrad, Martin Mole. Mm -hmm. Jim Belushi was even in this. Yeah. Wow. It was a comedy and it was topical because it was the late 90s and people were doing Black Friday things and were crazy about stuff. And there was a fat toys who were happening every year. You know, at that time, my wife was a toy dealer. She would buy and collect toys and go and sell them at conventions and stuff. And you could buy a Turbo Man in the store after this film came out. And it wasn't great. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 17%, Ooh. which Ooh. I get. That's okay. Yeah. Again, it was fun to watch. Didn't say it was a great movie. <laughs> Did you know there was a sequel to this too in what? 2014? Why? Yeah. It, well, it starred Larry the Cable Guy. Oh my God. Another one I will totally miss. <laughs> I'm not changing my question. I still want to know why. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with George. I don't this think one. there's a good reason. It doesn't even have a score on Rotten Tomatoes. They didn't even bother. <laughs> you don't have a great point average. That's right. <laughs> Is that worse than the Angry Birds film score? Because I think Angry Birds... Oh, it has a score. Yeah. Angry Birds at least has a score, right? It has a number. They just have no rating. No, it's got a zero. So this is worse than that. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even they, have a score. <laughs> For Jingle All the Way 2, they abstained. They just... We're not going to comment. <laughs> okay, we have made it from 10 all the way through 2. We have our honorable mentions out of the way. Mo, would you like to do the honors? Our number one Gen uh, X era Arnold Schwarzenegger film is... What else? The Terminator. The Terminator. <laughs> the Terminator. I mean, come on. As much as Conan was a launch, this movie launched him into superstardom. Into the yeah, this solidified oh, yeah. his career. Yeah, yeah no this question. totally did it. In 1984, I mean, John, you gave it eight. I gave it seven. George gave it eight. We all, I mean, that's probably the most points, you know, across the board that we gave anything. Well, probably yep. the most we agreed upon on any Yeah, film. easily. Yeah, this yes. was not the argument, right? <laughs> no, no. There was no debate on Terminator. Yeah, for those who I can't imagine does not know the synopsis of this movie. Get busy, dude. What are you doing? We'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, Conan. I, know, I know. If you haven't seen this one, you're, I don't Conan, know. Conan. God. He still beat me with a Conan stick. I know. But he did see Terminator. <laughs> if he didn't see Terminator, then that's it. It'd be the end of Genetics growing up. But anyway, <laughs> a human soldier is sent from 2029 to 1984 to stop an almost indestructible cyborg killing machine sent from the same year, which has been programmed to execute a young woman whose unborn son is the key to humanity's future salvation. And the whole time travel and preemptive killing somebody, you know, I'm going to kill before he's even born, kill his mom. I and mean, that's that major time travel paradox, right? You go back, kill your grandfather. Go back happens? and kill baby Hitler or something. Right, exactly. right? Like, I you think do? this film started that debate. <laughs> it could, <laughs> could have. have. Maybe so. The whole go back and kill baby Hitler debate. I don't remember hearing that until after this film was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and from what I read about this, is like he was actually very self-conscious about his acting. And he really worked hard to try to be a good actor in this movie and, and try to work on the craft of it and stuff like that. And I think he did a great thing on this. It's one thing to be a good actor, to be a character. Right. But he's trying to be a character with motivation and be mm -hmm. a machine and be a cyborg. And I remember like, you're right, acting coaches and stuff, because yeah. it's it's not as simple as you might think to have, you know, certain mannerisms that suggest you are mechanical. And so he very much focused on that, you know, and oddly, Michael Bean played the hero of the film mm -hmm. and he didn't become the superstar out right. of this. Rightfully so. Arnold just, he showed in this film a presence on screen that was undeniable. I mean, he walked into a scene and he stole Well, it. I think it was suited to him, though. Uh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. is certainly mechanical in the way he delivers his speech, and I think that's why it was the perfect casting, and that's why this film became so popular. I mean, you know, we're talking about the Rotten Tomato score, 100 from the critics. I don't think wow. you can get a better yep. score than 100. 89 with audiences, which must yeah. be people who never watch Conan, I'm guessing, voting on that one. <laughs> it's not me, not me. <laughs> but yeah, it was perfect casting. His voice, the way he delivers English is very robotic. Even to this day, it's still... It, it fit. Yep. It fit right. perfectly, and right? it fit so well. It was like, yeah, give him the right role. You don't get I'll be back being I'll be back unless it's delivered by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. You can think of anybody else, Sylvester Sloan, who was popular during that area, Dolph Lundgren. I don't care who you do. They don't deliver the line as well as he did. Yeah. I still remember the line where he's in the uh, room and his body's starting to decay and the landlord's mm -hmm. like, what, you got a dead cat in there or something? And then it goes to like the computer selection of like right. which responses. <laughs> Looking and for... He, yeah, and he's like, fuck you, asshole. I mean, right. it's, like, <laughs> it's the appropriate response. 
Because he sounded like a damn speak and say thing from <laughs> yeah. the 1970s. <laughs> he did, kind of. And, and Bill Paxton's in this one, too, in a small role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As the punk number one. Yeah. And uh, actually, they said that he's one of the few actors that's been killed by a predator, an alien, and uh, the Terminator. Right. <laughs> he had it coming. He was a punk. Yeah, he was a punk. <laughs> I don't think any of us would debate. This is a great number one to sit atop these films. I mean, for all the different reasons, the casting, the directing, another James Cameron film, as you said, George, you're, you're putting into the uh, equation, the legacy and how it impacted his career. It has great, uh, great roots there. So across the board, man, Terminator, the number one on our Gen X top 10 Schwarzenegger film list. Yeah. That is going to wrap it up for this look back at our favorite Gen X Schwarzenegger film. We'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack, but next week with a regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Oh, man, always fun. And fourth listener, it's you we all appreciate most of all. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. Welcome back. <coughs> Man, I, what, what, I started talking. I'm like, <clears throat> like a fucking old folks home. <laughs> All of us. Okay. Well, not me. George, George is fine. <laughs> In five, four, three. It didn't say last action hero on it anywhere. It just said Turbo Man. Why would it say last action hero on it? <laughs> say jingle, or sorry, all the way. jingle All the Way. It wouldn't say last action hero at all. It'd say Jingle All the Way. If it said that, that'd really confuse people. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotus, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.